Well, good afternoon. How y'all doing today? Everybody's happy? Is there a reason for your happiness today? Okay. Well, I'll just say this. We're in a series right now called Filter. And what this series is all about is this world's trying to pollute us. And so God gives us all these different types of filters, things like worship and fasting and prayer. And the first two weeks of this series, I actually taught on prayer, and everybody's prayer life went to a whole new level this weekend, and uh, we all knew how to pray properly, and unless you want, you're welcome, okay? <laughs> no, well, here's the deal. It's a good day to be a tiger, amen? Great night last night. LSU did great, and so have not been able to do this for the last eight years. And so here's what we want to do, Clint. Go ahead. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There's a lot of Bama fans today that are not happy, and that makes me happy. So <laughs> great game, be able to, and, and it's good to be able to come in and to worship together. Uh, if you walked in and you're like, what is going on? We, we, you know, they cut the worship early. What's happening? Why is Pastor Jay already preaching? We have a very good reason for that today. And you're going to figure that out here in the next few moments. I do want to take a moment real quick. And if you are here today for the first time, let me welcome you. Uh, my name is Jay. My wife, Stacy, and I are the pastors here at Journey. And it's a blessing to be able to have you with us today. And as I said, we're in this series called Filter. Very excited about this series. And we've talked about a lot of different things that God actually gives us uh, to bring purity to our lives and filter out all the different pollutants that this world tries to bring into your heart and into our life. And today we're going to kind of, it's a kind of a continuation from last Sunday. Uh, last weekend we talked about uh, communion but we looked at it in a little bit different aspect. We kind of looked at it in the aspect of, as I believe, communion is an expression of worship within our lives. And so today we're going to carry on with that message, and we're going to talk about one of my personal favorite topics. Uh, we're going to talk about praise and worship and how it is a tremendous filter for our lives. Now, what I'm going to do today is we're going to have, actually have two different parts of the message we're going to talk about things that try to distract us uh, from worship and honor and praising God. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what worship actually does within our lives. And then uh, what we're going to do is we're going to invite the worship team to come back up. And they're going to take us into a couple of different songs. And we're going to have, have just a time of expression uh, to be able to worship and honor the Lord with a renewed mindset regarding worship. Now, I'm not going to get, we're not going to have a specific text today. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to give you a lot of different scriptures that in regards to praise and worship. And the reason for that is because the Bible is filled from front to back uh, with different uh, verses on worship and what it means for our lives. David actually puts it this way in Psalms 117. He tells us, he says, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples. Look at the next seven words, for great is his love towards us. Now, what I like about this is he's helping us to understand that God loves us no matter what's going on in our lives. Guess what? God loves us whenever LSU beats Alabama. Amen? But God also loves us in the years whenever Alabama has beat, beat LSU. And a lot of times people, when bad things happen, we're like, you know, what's going on? God, where are you? I don't understand. But David reiterates here that God loves us no matter what. His love is great towards us. 
Then the next part, he says, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. God is faithful no matter what this world brings against us. Then he wraps it up with three simple words to help us understand a little bit better about praise and worship. He simply just says, praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. Now, today we're going to talk about God's heart concerning worship. And I love a great worship experience, but a lot of times people think, well, well, don't you just, you know, the worship part of church, isn't that like when we're singing songs? Well, worship actually is a lifestyle that we live out. And worship is not just on Sunday mornings. Worship, it should be every single day of our life, all day long. In, in the way that we express ourselves, the way that we interact with people, uh, we should be reflecting the character and the nature of Christ to people in everything that we do. And we actually can, can worship and honor the Lord, yes, in song, uh, not just at church, but every day at work in our homes in our vehicle wherever we are we can actually worship and honor the lord now i love a great worship experience and probably one of the greatest worship experiences that i've ever had in my entire life uh, even though we have some great ones here at journey it was not here at journey church it actually was in africa and what happened was i made a trip some years back with my friend bernie moore and had several people from journey that were with us on that trip and we flew into uganda and took a plane from there we went to uh, the, the democratic republic of congo and uh i gotta tell you what it's an, an interesting thing when you're in the middle of nowhere and you drive up on somebody with an ak-47 uh talk about your prayer life going to a whole new level but uh we went to a town there and and held a crusade and, and every night they would have tens of thousands of people show up and my favorite part of that entire trip was I always get to preach in different churches whenever I go travel with Bernie. And he told me, he said, we've got you preaching in, in this church in town there. And I made a comment. I said, is it possible for us to go to a couple different churches? He said, well, the problem is there's about 13 churches working with the crusade. And if you go to, to just one, you're okay. But if you go to a couple of other churches, it'll probably hurt the other pastor's feelings. And they may get a little jealous and we don't want to cause any issues and I said, well, Bernie, what is the possibility that if we just went to all the churches? And he said, well, let me check with the crusade director and we'll see what, what happens. He came back and he said, you're good. You can go to all the churches if you want to. And so what we did, we would go to each one of those churches and spend about 15, 20 minutes. And then we would push on from there and go to the next church. Now, here's the cool part. Those churches in, in the Congo... Uh, they didn't have all the modern conveniences that we have in church, like air conditioning and nice chairs and all that kind of stuff. When it came to worship, uh, they didn't have microphones. A couple of them had, had one or two microphones that were old and beat up, but they didn't really have the microphones and the lights and the set of drums and the keyboard and the guitars and all that kind of stuff. They just didn't have all that. And their main instrument that they yet used to lead the congregation uh, some of them have one that was a little bit nicer, but for the most part, they had taken a 55-gallon drum and knocked the top and the bottom out of it, and they had stretched an animal skin over that thing and turned it into a drum, and they would beat on that drum and lead the congregation in worship. And I got to tell you something, when they came to, they were getting after it, y'all. I mean, they were beating on that drum, and that was probably one of the greatest worship experiences that I had ever been a part of. It was so raw and just, you know, so simple. And to be with the people there, they were so excited. And, and they weren't hollering out like amen and hallelujah and all that kind of stuff. 
uh, the way that they would praise and worship the Lord, they, they had this thing where they would just, I can't really do it that well. But uh, some, there you go, something like that. And uh, whenever we would get up to speak, this is so cool. Keith Sharon was with me. If you don't know Keith, he's, he's pretty demonstrative. But he figured that out, uh, how to do that. And he would get up, and before he would speak, uh, he would start off with, I just want to tell everybody, and man, the whole place would go crazy, y'all. But it was so much fun. And, and to see people so passionate, so excited about God, just in such a simple form of worship. Here's the cool part. On Sunday mornings when we gather here and we have, it's great to have technology. I love it. But the greatest thing of all is not the technology, it's the presence of God. And guess what? We, we have the presence of God here on Sunday mornings. But even on the other side of the world, with no technology of all, beating on a 55-gallon drum, the presence of the Lord was there as well. And so it shows me that the greatest part of praise and worship, the greatest thing of it all, is the presence of God. And the simple presence of God, it begins within our heart. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to all, I encourage and challenge you to look in your heart and see, is there anything that would hinder you or anything that would come between you and God in your time of worship that would keep you from worshiping and experiencing his presence in the way that all of us need to refresh us and empower us as we go throughout life. And so today, let me share with you a couple of different things when it comes to worship, when it comes to experiencing the presence of God within our lives. There's so many different things that challenge us, but here's a couple of things that I wrote down. The first one is this, is that when you talk about hindrances in your worship, one of the ones that quickly comes to the top of the list is pride. Now here's the reason why pride is such an issue and how it plays out in our time of worship. A lot of times when people say, well, well I mean, Pastor Jay, when you're talking about being prideful, does that, are you talking about arrogance or, or what? Well, it kind of comes out like this. Well, when it, in, in regards to worship, it's just not my thing. I see other people singing songs. I see other people, you know, raising their hands or clapping their hands, and that's good for them, but it's just not my thing. I just can't really get into it and, and, and that singing and all that kind of stuff. Other people can sing. I really can't sing that well, so it's just not my thing, so I'll just let other people do that. And I'm going to tell you this, and this might sting a little bit for you, but it's just honesty. And, and, and honestly, if worshiping God is not your thing, you're probably not going to enjoy heaven that much. The reason why is because the presence of God is here with us on Sunday mornings and when we gather and we worship the Lord, his presence is here through the Holy Spirit and when you're in your vehicle, his presence is there because the, the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his praise. His presence is drawn to an atmosphere of praise and worship towards him. And so if his presence is here now and you just say, well, that's just not my thing. Whenever you get into heaven one day, can you imagine being literally physically in the presence of God where you can see him and you can interact with him? Man, what an amazing day that's going to be, huh? But it probably won't be that great for you if you say, well, that just isn't my thing. Well, the problem with that is this is when we focus on ourselves in the moment of worship and praise towards God, it's pride. 
And the reason for that is because the very heart of worship is to take the focus off of ourselves and to put it towards God. You see, worship isn't about us. It's not about whether we can sing good or not sing so good or or clap to the music on time or if we're raising our hands the right way. It has nothing to do with any of that. Worship is not about us. It's about him. It's about our God and our king. And so the first thing that I would encourage all of us to do is that we need to search our heart. Is there pride in our heart regarding worship and praise? Are we, are we holding back and making the focus more about us than about him? You see, James writes in chapter 4, verse 10, and he says this. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now, I love that verse because he's talking to us about dealing with pride within our heart. But as we do that, God will bless us in that time. And so worship, whenever you look at it and you see its rawest form, simply is being and enjoying the presence of God. If you take worship, you look at that word worship, you see that it's derived from an old English word, which is worth-ship. And it actually, the meaning of it literally is worthy of reverence and respect. You might say, well, what does that break down to in, my, in regards to my worship? Well, in other words, worship is about giving God the reverence, the respect, the honor that he is due. Because God's a good God, amen? We are to honor him and respect him and to, to lift him up, to revere him, and, and to, 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 to love on him through our, our worship and our praise. And so you look at scripture and you see that worship is a time that we simply just enjoy God's presence and worship and respect and, and, and honor him. But in the Old Testament, I believe it's in the book of 2 Samuel, there was a story that the, the children of Israel, they had the Ark of the Covenant, where that Ark on top of it, there were two cherubim, two angels, that their wings were outstretched and they were facing one another. And the presence of the Lord would come down and rest on the Ark of the Covenant. And one day, the Israelites, they were disobedient to the Lord and, and, and kind of in a braggadocious way, they took the Ark of the Covenant out and it was captured in battle. Their enemy took it from them. And uh, eventually they, they get it back. But as they're taking the Ark of the Covenant back into the city of Jerusalem, they're all celebrating, they're all worshiping. And David, he was king at this point. He gets so demonstrative in his worship time that Scripture records that he, he begins leaping and dancing and, and he took off his outer garment and, and he is just celebrating and honoring the Lord. And his wife sees him and later, when she encounters David, she, she literally mocks David for his worship. And God didn't take too kindly to her mocking David for his worship, so she is made barren from that point on. She, she can't have children. You might say, well, 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 does God take worship that serious? Well, you talk about barrenness. You talk about being at the place where you can't feel when pride begins to interfere with our worship time, it actually can make us feel barren on the inside. In other words, look at it like this. It can begin to make us feel dry on the inside. Then you wonder like, how come I'm not experiencing the presence of God like I used to? God, why why am I feeling like my prayers are, are ineffective or something like that? And perhaps it's because pride has made its way into our life and we're beginning to feel barren and dry on the inside. It's a hindrance that's coming in between us and God. It's a pride. We need to deal with that within our heart and within our lives. Here's the next one, is emotions. 
Emotions oftentimes come along and cause a hindrance in our worship time. And here's what it boils down to. If it feels good, I'll do it. And it kind of looks like this when we're interacting with God in a time of worship. We think of, if it feels good, I'll do it, but it it plays out like this. Well, you know, I I don't really like this song, so I'm not going to worship during this song. Or, you know, we hear some music and we say, well, that, that's too loud for me. I don't like that. Or here's another one. You know, that person, I, I can't sing along with them because I don't like the way that that person, that they sing. That's just not my thing. And so what happens with that is we get our emotions involved and we let it actually kind of crowd us out of enjoying a time in the, in the presence of God. Now, here's the thing. Some years ago, when Stacy and I had first stepped into pastoring, I had a lady, she came to me uh, probably within the first six months of us stepping into taking uh, on the, the role of being pastors here at the church, and she was concerned because Stacy had taken over the role of, of handling the music. They didn't have a worship pastor at that point, and so she stepped in place, and she started doing the music, and the lady came to me, and she said, you know, I'm having a hard time interacting with the worship. And I said, well, why is that? And she said, well, you know, the way that we're doing the songs and they're more upbeat and we've got new members of the band. And, and she said, I'm just having a really hard time interacting with the worship. And this is what I told her. I said, well, you know, and, and I love this lady. We're still great friends to this day. I said, you know, worship really is not about who's singing or the instruments or the different ones or, or the songs or anything. Worship is all about the heart. She said, well, I, I never thought about it like that. I said, the reality is, is it doesn't matter who is singing or or how many instruments you have on the platform. We ought to be able to to worship and honor God, even if I just got two spoons and I'm banging together and we're we're singing a song to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to bang two spoons together. You know, we're not going to do all that kind of stuff. But it kind of reminds me, being back in Africa, they just simply had a 55-gallon drum that they're beating on and worshiping and honoring God, giving him the respect and the reverence that is due him. This lady, she, she thought that over, and she came back to me about a week, maybe two weeks later, and she said, I want to thank you for telling me that. And I said, okay, well, what's going on? She said, well, it, it's kind of changed the entire way that I've worshiped, and, and my worship time with God has, has gone to a whole different level Because I realize, you're right, it's not about the song, it's about dealing with my heart, and I can worship God no matter what. And so here's what it comes down to when our emotions get involved in something. So many times we make decisions based off what we feel instead of just stepping out and saying, you know what, I'm going to push past that, and I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to love on Him, and I'm going to honor Him regardless of, of whatever is going on within my life. So here's the thing. It is about uh, honoring and respecting and loving on God whether we like the song or not. Psalms 22 puts it this way. It says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. What I like about this verse is it points out two things to us. First of all, that we worship and honor a holy God. The second thing is this, is that when we worship and honor God, his presence is drawn into that atmosphere. When we make the choice to worship God, he will inhabit our lives. And if we make the choice not to honor and worship God, guess what? He won't. His presence will not be drawn to that. And so I don't know about you, but some of the greatest worship experiences are probably found 
when we don't feel really like doing it. Have you ever had that moment where you don't feel like doing something? Maybe you get up in the morning, you're like, I, I don't really feel like going to church today. And how many times have you had that moment where you get up and you're like, you've got every excuse in the world not to go to church, okay? You get up, you can't find, you know, your right sock, you know, it's off somewhere in Sockville or whatever, and uh, your clothes aren't ironed and the kids are fighting and you can't find anything for breakfast and there's every reason in the world not to come. In other words, I don't feel like going. But you decide, you know what, we're going to go no matter what. You get in the vehicle, you start headed this way and the kids are fighting, every, everything is just a mess. You get in the church parking lot and you're like, maybe we should just, I don't know, go to Golden Corral or something like that, you know. But you push on through, you come in and if you're anything like me, it's in those moments where you probably have one of the greatest worship experiences of your life. God ministers to your heart. God heals something within you. God says something to you. Uh, you encounter somebody who, who prays for you. It's just one of those moments that you remember for the rest of your life. Why? Because you chose not to let your feelings and your emotions direct you. You decided to push on through that and honor and worship and respect God regardless of what was going on in life. So uh, emotions and uh, pride are two things that can hinder our time of worship. Here's another thing that can hinder our time of worship. When we treat worship like it's a spectator sport. Now what that looks like is this. It's, we have the mindset of, well, it's only for certain people. It's only for certain places. You know, I, I can only worship God uh, whenever I'm at church. I can only encounter his presence Whenever I'm at church and they have the lights down and they've got a keyboard player and guitar players, that's the only time and place that I can really encounter the presence of God. Well, we have turned our time of worship then into more of a spectator sport. Or worship is only for those who are on the platform, the ones who have the microphones and all that kind of stuff. I'm just here to listen to them. And the reality of, of all of this is that we within the body of Christ, we in the church, we are worshiping and honoring an audience of one. We are all the ones who are worshiping an audience of one. Who is the audience of one? It's God. It's our king. It's our master. It's our Lord. And so we worship him and honor him. And Paul writes to his friend Timothy, and he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. He says, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. What he's talking about is that all of us, no matter where we are, that we always need to be in the attitude of prayer to have the heart to worship and to respect the Lord. And so worship, when we treat it like a spectator sport, uh, it's one of those things that they're, they're, it'll cause a hindrance in our time of worship. And here's the last thing, is that when we treat worship as a time of lip service, we're just kind of going through the motions of worship. We're, we're just kind of interacting, but we're, we're easily distracted and here's the thought how many times have we sang a song but we're not really into that song because we're distracted and here's what distractions look like maybe you're at that moment and you're singing a song and you're enjoying it and you got your phone in your back pocket and all of a sudden your phone vibrates and you're like well I wonder who that is and you stop doing what you're doing, you reach into your back pocket or your purse, you pull out your phone and you're like, that's a, that's a funny meme about, about Satan, I mean Saban. And, oh, it's that, it's that cat. <laughs> I like that cat. Oh, we're going to foreclose on your house. Uh-huh, that's good stuff right there. 
and instantaneously you are distracted from what you were doing and how many times do we get distracted from stuff in that time of worship we get distracted by a text we get distracted by a phone call we get distracted because we're hungry and we start thinking about where we're going to eat at after church how many times do distractions come along and interfere with our time of worship to the lord so let's make sure that we, we don't allow distractions to come in and interfere with our time with God, that we really have a heart to encounter him. We really have a heart to enjoy his presence because that is what worship is all about. Matthew chapter 15, it, it puts it really simply whenever Jesus said, these people honor me by what they say, but their hearts are very far from me. And, and it's time for us within the body of Christ, whatever would try to distract us, Let's push those things to the side. And let's not let our worship time be lip service, but let's really press in to what God has for us. Now, here's the thing. Because when we talk about going after God with everything that we have, when we talk about really worshiping him and honoring him, what does that look like and what does that do within our life? So let's shift a little bit now. We talked about the hindrances to worship. Let's talk a, bit, a little bit about what happens when we choose to worship God in this way because the very first thing that happens is this. Worship actually changes our mindset regarding our circumstances. Now, the reason why I like that is because all of us in this room have had good times. We've had bad times. We've had middle-of-the-ground times. But here's the thing. No matter what happens, no matter what we are facing, no matter what our circumstances might look like, when we will have a heart of worship it actually will change our mindset regarding whatever it is that we're facing. In other words, it takes our, 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 our mindset off of our problem and it puts it on God. That's a good thing, right? So here's an example for you. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Love this story in scripture. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, that's awesome. It's midnight. They're having a midnight worship experience with God. Now, you agree that that's a good thing? awesome let's keep on reading and the other prisoners were listening to them now if you're not familiar with this story you're starting to figure out now what's up okay well Paul and Silas were in jail they had been arrested they had been beaten they had been thrown into jail and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this but how many of you have been in jail before you know it's not a good place to be all right I've made some jail visits before and had to go in and visit with different people who had been arrested. And as soon as you walk in, you can kind of feel the hopelessness in that jail. And I would imagine that, that jail today, it probably was a whole lot worse back in the day and age that they were in jail. Will you agree with that? Probably a bad situation to be in. But what are they doing in this place where it seems like it's hopeless? What are they doing in this place where they're actually chained and shackled to a wall? They're worshiping and honoring God. They're praying and they're talking to the Lord. And the other prisoners are taking notice of them. Look, they were listening to them. Here's what happens. Now, I like this because when you see this next word in Scripture, you know something big's about to happen. Suddenly, everybody say Suddenly. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake, wow, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. That's huge. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I would say that the, the presence of God changed that circumstance, amen? 
So here's the thing. What I like about this story is that Paul and Silas did not wait for their circumstances to change before they worshiped God. In other words, they're in the bad place. They're chained up. They're hurting from all the, the, the beating they just took a little while ago. And they're not sitting there grumbling and complaining and being all emotional and all this kind of stuff. What are they doing? They are worshiping God. They are honoring God. They are giving God the respect and honor that is due him. They are praying and talking to the Lord. Now, check this out. It is so easy for us to praise God when our circumstances change. In other words, when they get good, in that moment, it's easy to worship God. It is easy to praise God. But what about before? And so what I would tell you is this. Don't let your circumstances determine your song, okay? But rather, let your song determine your circumstances. And here's what that looks like. No matter what I am facing, I choose to sing a song of praise and honor and worship to God. Because what it does is it changes our mindset. It helps us to rise above whatever it is that we are facing. Here's the next thing worship does. Worship aligns us with God's plan for our life. Now, everybody wants to know, God, what is your will for my life? What, what is the direction that you have for my life? And as your time of worship, your relationship with God grows and goes to another level, you're going to begin to hear his voice in an even greater way. Now, here's what I think about. When you think about worship aligning us with God's plan for our life, how many of you in here like a good fight? Anybody? Okay, now... You're probably like, well, what do you mean a good fight? Like fighting with my spouse? No, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? What I'm talking about is how many of you like a good fight, like a, a good boxing match, good MMA, something like that? And I, guys, a lot, well, okay, yeah, Violet. Uh, I like, whenever I see, you know, like MMA and things like that, I like to watch a fight. And you can see the difference because sometimes on social media you'll see people post like a, like a street fight versus like a professional fight. Here's the difference. If you watch a street fight, like two guys going at it in the high school courtyard, you know, and 99% and, and, and of the time, I mean, it, they're just, they're, they're just kind of like doing the windmill or something like that. And, and all of a sudden one of them like gets lucky and he, you know, he connects. One of them goes down and he's like, yeah, I'm bad. You know, it's like, no, you're really not. You were just doing this. It just kind of flailing, you know, versus a professional fight. What does a professional fighter do? Professional fighter goes into a match and he has been trained and coached properly. He's watched film and, and tape on his opponent and he's watched for the weaknesses in the other fighter's life. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to find weaknesses, he's trying to find a pattern, he's trying to find a rhythm that he can interrupt. And in that moment, he can begin to inflict pain on that other fighter and eventually take that fighter out. There's a plan there. He's been coached. He's following that plan. Here's the thing. So many times, this is how we're going through life. We're just kind of flailing wildly. Do I go this way? Do I go this way? I don't know. And here's what I'm going to tell you. We have the greatest trainer, the greatest coach of all. And through the presence of the Holy Spirit within our life, he wants to lead us in the plan that he has for us. And here's what you need to understand. We have an opponent who's looking for weaknesses in our life. He's looking for ways to, to interrupt different patterns within our life and cause issues and problems. And through temptation, cause us to pick up sin. And our Heavenly Father wants to lead us throughout life with the plan and purpose that he has for us. 
And what worship does, I want you to get this now, worship aligns us with what God's plans are for our life. We don't have to flail wildly. We can be led by the voice of the Holy Spirit each and every day of our life. And worship helps bring us to that place where we can connect with him in that way. Isaiah puts it really simply. Whenever the Lord speaks, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Now, here's the thing. How many of you in here have ever thought, man, that I've got this decision to make or whatever, and you thought it was the greatest decision in the world, and it didn't turn out to be such a great decision? Well, probably all of us. The reason why is sometimes that the things that we think are awesome really are not that awesome to God. And that's why it's important to be led by Him. Now, so worship aligns us with God's plan for life. It changes our mindset regarding our circumstances. And here's where we're going to wrap this up. One of my favorite ones is that worship builds our confidence in God. It helps us understand that, that God is fighting for us. It helps us understand that God can bring us through anything that we will ever face in this entire world. There's a story in Scripture Whenever Jesus was doing ministry, he was in a crowd of people, and there was a lady. We, we don't know much about her, other than she had an illness, an issue. She's called in Scripture the woman with the issue of blood. And Jesus is in this crowd of people, and this woman had all these hindrances within her life to get to Jesus. She had people that she had to fight her way through. She had the thoughts of, you know, getting to Jesus, that's not going to make any difference at all. She probably had people tell her, you know what, it's never going to get any better. And the doctors had told her, we're going to do, we've done everything for you that we can do. And she had to fight through all of those hindrances to get to Jesus. She chose to give Jesus the respect, the honor, the worship that was due him. And as she fought through the crowd, she reached out and she, she barely touched, she touched the, the hem of his garment. And in that moment, like that, her life was changed forever. You see, in that moment, as she was changed, Jesus, he said, hey, whoa, what's going on? Somebody touched me. And the disciples are like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Of course people are touching. There's people all around you. They're, all, they're jostling you in the crowd. Everybody is trying to get to you. Of course somebody touched you. He said, no, no, this was different. Here's the thing, there's a lot of stuff in this world trying to keep us from worshiping God and honoring God and respecting God. Pride and lip service, and emotions, all this stuff. Let's push past all of that and let's experience the presence of God in very much the same way that that lady did in that crowd of people where we are changed forever. Amen? here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and join me on the platform. Maybe today as you sit here and you look at your life and you look at your time of worship with the Lord, maybe you really say that. Pastor Jay, my, I used to experience the presence of God, but it, it seems like here lately there, there's a dryness on the inside. Maybe there's some things that need to be dealt with. Maybe you've let your emotions lead you. Maybe there is some pride that's built up in your life what are the things that need to be addressed within your life so that you truly can worship God in a way where you are unhindered 
where you can really reach out and touch the hem of his garment. So let's pray together. Father, you're so good and we worship you and love you today. And we thank you that you have given us worship as a tremendous filter for our lives to help clear out all the impurities and the junk that the world would try to heap on our shoulders and on our lives. And Father, may it be our heart's cry that we never let things build up to keep us from really experiencing your presence in a great way. And Father, I thank you that today, let it be our heart that we're going to push through whatever this world would bring against us so that we can encounter your presence, your grace, your love. And today, with every eye closed in this room, here's where I want to take you first is that the greatest act of worship within your life is to surrender your life to Jesus and let him be Lord and Savior of your life. You might say, well, well, why is that even necessary? And here's the answer to that question. It's necessary because all of us, I don't care who you are, I don't care what your occupation is, all of us, myself included, are born with a sin nature. And that sin nature within our life is a barrier between us and God there has to be sacrifice made for sin and it's the very reason why Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago and went to the cross he was the sacrifice so that our sin could be dealt with it could be forgiven and we could freely come to God and embrace him in relationship And today, maybe you've never taken that step within your life. And I would love to pray with you and help you step into that relationship with God. There might be others of you in this room who would say, well, Pastor Jay, I I had a relationship with God. But today, as I look at my life, I recognize that my heart has kind of gotten distant from God. And today, I recognize my need to, to get my heart right with God and maybe to recommit my life to Him all over again. Well, today I'd like to pray for you, whoever you are. I'd like to help you take that step, whether it's your first time of surrendering your life to Jesus or recommitting your heart to him all over again. I'm not going to embarrass you with every eye closed in this room, nobody looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you at all, but I want to know who I'm praying for. And so today, if you would say, well, Pastor Jay, that's me. I want to be a part of that prayer here in the next few moments. If that's you, wherever you are in this room right now, do me a favor if you would. Slip your hand in the air and let me see it. Is there anybody here who says yes to that? I see you right here. I see you in the back over here. Is there anyone else? And here's what I want you to do for those of you who raised your hand. Right where you are, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. I'm going to give you the words. But this is your prayer. And I want you to talk to the Lord right there where you are. I want you to pray something like this. I want you to pray, Jesus, thank you so much for the way that you love me, that you would choose to go to the cross in my place, that you paid the price for my sin, my shame, my guilt, and today by faith, I receive what you did for me. Jesus, I, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I've messed up, and today I repent for the sin in my life. I ask for your forgiveness and through your precious blood I ask you to make me brand new today I surrender to you I give you my life and Jesus I ask you to come and live in my heart 
Today, be my Savior. Today, I embrace you as the Lord and Master of my life. And I thank you so much today for letting me step into your family. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's everybody say together, amen. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask everybody to go ahead and stand to your feet. And I've invited the worship team up here to join me. They're going to take the next few moments and take us into a, a time of worship. And if there's hindrances in your life, emotions, pride, whatever, push past all that. And just ask the Lord to let his presence be so real within your life. And for those of you who prayed that prayer a few moments ago to give your heart to Christ or to recommit your heart to the Lord, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to respond and come and let one of our prayer team give you further instructions. We'd like to connect with you. But let's take a few moments and let's worship the Lord. Amen.